This program is brought to you by O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Ed Cowan, a former Australian cricketer, playing 18 tests, scoring 1,001 runs at 31.28 for Australia, the highest test score of 136 versus South Africa. Post-career, he's joined the business world promoting his own coffee brand, he grows his own veggies, he's a big reader and he loves music. And Guy Sebastian, Australian singer, songwriter and musician, and the winner of the first Australian Idol back in 2003. Post-Idol, he's released nine top ten albums, including two number ones. He's now a coach on The Voice Australia, and away from music, he's a mad cricket and golf nut. Let's get started. We'll get started on the show today, Ed Cowan, former Australian creator. So welcome, Ed. Shano, thank you for having me. You're the only bloke that can host a podcast in a pub. Yes. And for those that aren't obviously watching, we are sitting in a pub. We are, mate. I can get paid to go to lunch now. Um, and my second guest, Guy Sebastian, Australian singer, songwriter and musician. He's now a coach in The Voice Australia. I'm um, away from music. You're a mad cricketer and a golf nut, mate. So welcome, guy. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I thought you were going to go into my um, last man stands stats. It's a 2020 comp. Yeah, mate, we could talk. Well, well mate, I'm waiting for an invitation actually <laughs> to, to play in the team. Could you imagine if Ed wanders out to last man stands? <laughs> you know what? I've tried. I've even tried to get bigger out. I've tried, everyone I know that has played cricket, I would just love to lob up with Andre Adams. Said he'd do it. Yeah, but I'm in. I've got really? yeah. You you sent me a text. I'm there. Well, the last time I actually bowled was to you. Really? So, How'd you pull up? Because I, no, I couldn't I, I move did, for I a did, week. No, I did my calf. Did you? So the last ball Shanley's ever bowled in probably in history will be to Guy Sebastian, and it was it was in the nets before I went over to India to play in that Masters competition with Brett. Yeah, you bowled me a perler too. It was the one that, that the, your kid was filming at the time, <laughs> and uh, mate, he's just bowled this perfect little outswinger, and it's just hit the seam and and and. Yeah, cut away. Shano, unlike you to do a soft tissue industry <laughs> injury bowling, uh, man, that's uh, well, highly unusual. Unfortunately, when the game in India, I walked out to bat after I think 20 years of retirement. We were 5 for 17 when I walked out and I walked off. We were 6 for 17. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't trouble the scorers, mate. The last game of cricket I played with Guy was a charity knock-around on oh, the Prime yes. Minister's lawn. Yes. And, and he gave an insight as to how competitive Guy Sebastian is. He loves his cricket. He loves his cricket. He didn't realise that he couldn't get out first ball and someone skied when he's taken this... Up the hill and oh, full yeah. blown die, one handed scream and knocked out didn't the prime count. minister. <laughs> it didn't Mate, count, no. yeah. Did you catch it? Yeah. Beautiful. Quite quite likely, yeah. 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 <laughs> Hell of a catch. Hey, Ed, what, what do you do with yourself after your wonderful career career? Um, you're now working, you're doing a number of things. You're working in the investment banking space, I hear. Uh, sort of. Well, so yeah. TDM Growth's uh, investment company. So yep. we uh, invest in public and private businesses around the world in a really concentrated manner. Uh, so that's just wonderful and interesting work and then I've obviously got a little uh, side hustle I think they call them with with tripod coffee and we sell compostable coffee capsules that go in espresso machines fantastic mate and and how do you find the transition from sport into business because I I know personally it's it's a real big jump you go from almost operating a small bubble of life and and constant mates around you to this Sort of rude, uh, yeah. big world out there. That's pretty tough. Absolutely. So, I'm um, an athlete. Transition is something that's very close to my heart. Not mm. just having been through it, but seen how hard it is, and how even 
if you're as well prepared as anyone in the world, it is a scary moment in your life. And so there are a couple of things that I was really focused on. One was I never wanted to wear a suit. So I need right. to find an employer. And yep. you can see I'm sitting here in a T-shirt and a pair of jeans. This is yep. work gear. Um, didn't want to spend an hour on a bus. So working in the city and, and sort of went through the checklist and I wanted to work with great people that would mentor me in that journey. And it wasn't just walking in, sitting in the corner and, and do your job, son. It was a really inclusive culture, a culture that, as I said, is one of mentoring and, and learning. And, and that has really shaped my transition. So it is a hard time, but it's one that unfortunately every athlete has to go through and, and can I ask a question? Yeah, sure, sorry, mate. No, 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 it's please. your show. But no, it's late. It's late lunch here, mate. <laughs> is it? Is it? Um, like, is it scary just because you you're kind of held to a, a, a different sort of standard because yeah. you've had a public yeah. profile? Or? I think there are two things. One is you have dedicated your life. I mean, my, imagine you not being able to play music anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, so there's that emotional piece that you have to let go of this former life mm, yeah. and I need to create another passion in my life. And so it is a cutoff and you kind of need to phase through that. It's like, I still play club cricket for that reason because I still want a connection with the game. But if you're injured or if you lose the game and the love for the game, yeah. you don't play anymore. I guess it's identity too, isn't it? Cause, that, cause, that was you're, my you're, second point. Yeah, because you, you sort of, you've created this this persona and this identity and, and that's that's where you're comfortable. Yeah. And then you're doing it at such a high level. Yeah. And so it's almost, there's this added pressure to do that same thing in, in the business world. That's it. And, and you start at the bottom of the mountain. You don't get, because you were mm. play test cricket, you don't just parachute into business yeah, exactly, and you're the yeah. CEO. You're, you're no one. You've got to start again. And so yeah, you exactly. actually got to park that ego and say, this is a new career. I know people knew me as the cricketer, but I actually want to do something else with my life. And so I'll use all those tools that I gained over here to scale this next mountain. Mm. But if you think that, you're going to come in halfway or at the top, you're kidding yourself. And so that's really hard to do. That was always with. my goal to be trying to be a better business person than I was sports person. Yeah. I don't think I've achieved that yet. But um, You're on your way. So who mentors the musician then? Because 2003, you get thrown into the limelight after Idol, mm. but you're on, you're on your own after the, the lights get turned off. What, what happens there? Um, yeah, you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, when you come off something like Idol, it's pretty... Um, it's pretty daunting because you, I mean, I look at my own journey and, and I was 21 at the time and, and quite sheltered. So I grew up in Adelaide and my life was, was, you know, heading in a certain direction. I, I was actually, I was studying, um, medical radiation at the time. Oh, wow. and, and so that's what I thought I'd be a, a radiotherapist and then maybe go on to study more and become a radiologist or something that, that, but that was always, always my backup because of the way I was raised. I had pretty strict, you know, sort of Asian parents and the, you know, you, you know, that's good to have pipe dreams, but make sure you have a backup. <laughs> Are you a doctor yet? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh God, I'm, I'm seven. <laughs> exactly. So this is eighth degree. Yeah. So, so I, I studied and pursued that, but I got to a point where, yeah, I just needed to really pursue music, and and when I when I went on Idol, it happened so quickly. So suddenly you're faced with this. Um, yes, similarly, it's this pressure, I, I guess, for me to to make something of it, mm. and 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 to also do it whilst I guess protecting myself, you know, yeah. both financially and and, and everything else. But if anyone's feeling wants to feel bad about themselves, go onto your Wikipedia page and see what you've achieved in the last seventeen years. It's, it's amazing, incredible. Stuff you've done in seventeen years. It, it feels like yesterday. Said that idol thing happened. Mm. I'm sure, it doesn't feel like yesterday to you. But 
Well, you've done a lot. You've got your own foundation now, the Sebastian Foundation. What, what are you doing with that? So the foundation, I mean, we primarily we've operated in the, in the domestic violence space, which is okay. a very challenging space. It's um, a massive problem uh, around the yeah. world, but obviously here in Australia, there's a, a huge issue and, and, and loads of gaps um, that, that a lot of, especially shelters, find themselves in. So so there's definitely funding and the government mm-hmm. offers support, but there's... there's um, a lot of areas that we've gone into where um, they're just operating on bare bones. So we've done some really beautiful projects. Where we've gone in, um, put new kitchens and, and, and renovated stuff, repurposed, um, you know, some shelters so that they could, uh, you know, fit more vulnerable people in as well. They, they turn away less people. And, and now we're moving very much into the mental health space for for youth and and there's a massive uh need for that obviously at the moment there's a lot of talk about that and we've teamed up with a pretty incredible child psychologist and and she she's um she's got a major in bullying and and she's devised this amazing program that she's rolling out in schools and so we're getting behind that and and getting in there early so that we can tackle this problem i'm i'm sick of getting asked to sing at, at funerals and I'm sick yeah. of getting you know, I'm just sick of reading stuff because it, it, it's now at a point where I, I am I mean the the heartbreak's at a point where I just I, I, I hate having to read it now because it, it you know when you're a musician and you release songs especially like the last few releases of mine they've sort of been geared towards mental health and so some of the stories I read mate it's just a it's a lot at the moment. It's, it's heartbreaking. And I think that it's scary for the parents too. Mm. I know I've got three kids. Now Zara's 11, Abby's nine, Thomas is five. Yeah. This whole online bullying thing. Mate. You think as a parent that you've got things covered. But well, we didn't have to you face that. No, we don't. But you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And yeah. you know, I, I know I didn't tell my parents much. And I'm sure my kids are probably the same. But it's, it's really, really tough. Well, this is, of course, the first generation that have grown up with yeah. social networks just exactly. being a thing in their life. And mm. they don't quite have the emotional capability to, to yeah, deal exactly. with it and the, I mean you'd know the stats more than anyone guy but I think it's like since social media's kicked in it's like threefold yeah, suicide exactly. it's, it's and sickening. so that's why we've got Good to we don't want to get to a point where we look back in history and realise that we, di- we didn't put the tools in place to, yeah. to help this issue and so that's why I feel it's pretty important and I know a lot of parents would agree we need to get into schools and that's where they need to talk about mental health and they need to um, talk about how to tackle issues that we're not equipped to handle because I, mate, I even on Idle, yeah. Shannon and I, you know, Nolsey and I, we we didn't they didn't we didn't have it's things got a very like different social Wikipedia media. page. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's still yeah, impressive, right. still still and very I, impressive. I've seen so many court cases on one foot. He's a he's a he's a handy sportsman too. He is, yeah. Hey, um, Ed, talk about emotional capability. I think I was your first captain. You were, yeah. yeah. How, how was it as a captain? <laughs> Where do I start with? So you were my first professional cricket captain. Yep. You showed me the ropes. You took me under the wing. Yes. I think I was 18, 19 probably. And one of my favourite stories about you, Shane, <laughs> were, you're like this guy. Uh, day three of a four-day game. And this is back in the day when there was a bit of cost-cutting going. You know, the, yeah. it wasn't five-star professional cricket that you see now. Yeah. And if you finish the game on day three early, they put you on a flight that night. Mm. And so wow. the, the opposition were eight down. We're about to win the game. <laughs> 
brings the team in in a moment of inspiration. <laughs> Captain at the front for the rousing speech. I thought, you know, 18, this is... Let's, let's just put, polish this off. Let's knock them over. Yeah. He's like, no fellas, <laughs> whatever you do, on my dead Drop body, every catch. are we finishing this game tonight because the first round's on me. <laughs> took us about took us four hours to, to finish the game the next day because I think half the team was still a bit oh, dusty. Really? Yeah. Bonding and team building is a very, very important part of it. That's of, true. Of, of so it's it's yeah. a very Ricky Gervais sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, the David Brent sort of <laughs> motto. To, Slightly to contrarian <laughs> view of winning the game, but we, we got it done. I, can't, I don't remember day four. But uh, <laughs> apparently we won. Okay, we're going to take a quick break now and order some food. And today we're dining at the Republic Hotel, Pitt Street in Sydney. Um, we're in the Republic dining room here. It's a beautiful setting, actually, and uh, the food looks bloody delicious. Um, boys, just want to have a quick look at the menu and mm. just quickly order something, and we'll uh, get some food in the way. Yeah. I'm going to go... I'm going to order the duck all orange, I think. I've had that for years. Old <laughs> wow. school. Can you uh, pronounce that again oh, for us? Toilet, professor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have the eye fillet. Yes. But I'm going to change my uh, mashed potato for chips. Oh boy. Oh. Beautiful. Mate, I'm going to do... Is there fish? Is yeah. white fish? I'll do the white fish. Let's try that. Beautiful. Done. Thanks, Woodsy. It's no secret I love a gin. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch With Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful Gin Journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com and just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. So, Guy, you've just released, it's a new album going live. October 16th. October 16th, so called Truth. Truth, yes. And, and that's yeah. what's a, that's a sort of a, a look back about your own personal life, I suppose, and experiences. Is that, is that right? Well, well, it's just, yeah, it's a collection of songs from the last 
two and a half years. So it's taken yeah. me, yeah, two and a half years to write. And there's been a few little, um, yeah, a few little things to overcome in that time and yeah. a few challenges. We, I mean, we all have challenges and, and, um, and you know, my, I, I guess the, the weird thing is I can, I can chrono, chronologically see where a lot of my challenges have been just because of the songs that I, I tend right. to write as, uh, you know, out of those situations. But yeah, look, challenging sort of period, but, um, one that needed to, happen and and um and and i've got i think i think the biggest lesson out of it is is the i think the value of a good team yeah you know, i've got it such a amazing team that they're, um, they're all ladies I've, I've got really strong um intelligent and and passionate ladies that Brilliant. pretty much run my yeah. life and, yep. and and uh just an incredible team and and um so yeah i'm yeah it's it's, it's good to get the album done but to relax i Mate, I love golf. Yeah. I've been my, my mate Tim Freeburn, who, who Ed knows as well. He's he's a, uh, and you know Tim. Yeah. Uh, we've uh, he got me into golf uh, a little while ago, about two and a half years ago, and we did a did a trip out to Barnboogle and did the whole Beautiful. Lost Farms and yeah. even King Island. So we did Cape Wickham and, and Ocean Dunes, and uh, you know I. The, the minute I did that trip, I, I was yeah stung by the golf, the golf bee, and, and uh, we're trying to tee, tee up a game with with, with Ed actually out at that at the Aussie and um, COVID's hampered that. It's yeah, yeah. it's been so. Are you, do you guys have guests yet? No visitors. So the, I'm lockdown, a member of the lakes, down, and yeah. we've got we've got guests Mondays and Thursdays now, right. which is good. Question: I had a you mentioned the songwriting process. I've always wondered: Do you see it or? And you kind of alluded to it as a diary of your life, and then I've always wondered when you go back to sing that, does that evoke the memories of, of oh, that period, yes. period of time in your life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's. I, I will say, when there's a song that that, um, wow, jeez, yeah. rev head outside, <laughs> Shano's car, yeah. it's Shano's Lambo out there, <laughs> the valet's brought around for him. We're in a park. I guess we're wrapping up soon. <laughs> um, I look. I, uh, like there's a f- few songs that I really have to turn off because if I if I um, go there and, and you know I've got Beck who's on my team behind us and she is that choir yeah. choir definitely choir is about a mate who I who, who I lost uh, um, recently to mental health and and I mean but there's a lot of songs mm. especially ones about my kids so last night was the the very last bit that I had to do for the album and mm-hmm. I was so I was up till pretty late and and uh, but but. I recorded my kids and it's a song called Inner World. I've written a song for my first uh, kid, Hudson. Yep. And, and my second uh, my second son, uh, Archie, he came up to me one day and he goes, oh, Dad. Where's mine? Yeah, literally. He goes, Dad, <laughs> you know, d- how come you haven't written me a song? So <laughs> I wrote him this song and it's it's really beautiful. It's called Inner World and, and, I, and I wanted them to sing on it so I got them to sing on it last oh, lovely. Night. It's really cute. And, uh, and, I have to disconnect if I'm singing a song about my kids. Like, mm-hmm. like there's a song I wrote for Hudson called Big Bad World and yep. some of the lyrics uh, are just, if I, if I go there and I picture my son, I'm done. You're gone. Mm. Mate, I'm gone. And, I, and I'm, mate, I'm, I'm, ma- I'm a massive emo now. I, I, was, I was never a crier before kids. The minute I had kids, no, no, changes, anything changes just makes me cry. Like yeah, I watch a commercial and I just tear up. Like, I, yeah. Well, one thing, one thing I try and do with the guests I get on the podcast is try and find a some sort of link um, and I love how when I get sports and musicians together they're sort of, there's, there's a real sort of respect there um, mm. but um, one thing I liked about you Ed is that you, um, 
you, you had a, a, a private school upbringing, Cranbrook went to a really good school, and you've never apologised for that. And one thing I, I, I read about you once, you said that um, people just assumed that you were soft because you played, because you went to, went to a good yeah. school, yeah. Which, is, which is absolutely bullshit. Yeah, well, the, the, and the, the follow-on assumption is that you don't want to do what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not hard enough to, yeah. to live the, the, the hard knocks of so how, international cricket. How do you cricket. cope with that perception? You got to you got to change it, and you you change perception by showing people that you're serious, that you're the first training, you're the last to leave, that you're happy to knock out the runs when it's hard. All those that I was always, and, and maybe you know at the time that's what motivated me, and it might not have been even been 100 percent correct, but I always felt that that was the case, and it was always something that I was fighting. And then I think there was just that moment where they were like, you. You know, you're in the crowd, and and it doesn't really matter anymore. Did but you find that with the perception around Idol that you only got a leg up because of Idol? Oh God, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But but I mean, look, I have a lot to say about about the um, the negative, you know, yep. uh, I guess opinions of people. I I, th- I don't think they represent a lot of people. Like like I yeah. ca- I can't imagine anyone who's met Ed to go. Oh, you went to a private school. You like like that'd be such a, a mm. very few amount of people who would judge somebody because of something like that. I, well, I people, think, can, people get jealous. Definitely. Yeah, 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 definitely. But but I do think they're a minority. Mm. I, I think we give so much weight to mm. to the negative mm. voice. And, and in my career, of course, you know, going through Idol, you know what, rightly so. Because music, it, it, there is a, a, a certain kind of sacred thing to, to music. And, and, and it, no one should just get a free ride. And so yeah. when I went through all of that early on, I didn't resent my industry for it. Like it was, it was t- tough because it went for a while. Like, yeah. like I had, I really had to prove that. I, like I didn't go on TV because I wanted to be famous. I was mortified. Like literally. I mean, you only have to speak to my wife to, when I was on. <laughs> when I was on Idol, I just because because up to that point, I was told that I didn't have the look, that I was too fat, and that I that I didn't have, in, like mm. I just I, I didn't have that kind of look that of, of a pop star. So I'd gone to multiple record um, in, uh, record labels, and that was the feedback. So when I was actually on Idol, I was actually quite insecure. I thought I was looking around, going, "Look at that bloke! Like he's a good-looking bloke, and he's." A... So mm. I thought you had to look a certain way to get a, a a foot in the door in my industry. It's actually a testament yeah. to Guy because it's it's actually now a road less travelled. There aren't many people right. that have won Idol or other, you know, uh, reality. TV singing contests that have had the career that he's had, and so it's well, actually not, almost well, not just as a performer, but as as a songwriter, mate. What, what do you enjoy the performing side more, or the or the, the creative writing side more? Are they both different or both? I think it's hard to, to yeah. say which one because I think one serves the other. So so it's it's sort of like um, it's like saying you prefer dessert when when you're when you're hungry for mains, you okay. know, because gotcha. because it, it's sort of. Uh, for me, the dessert is getting to sing the songs out, uh, you know, out on the road and having that immediate feedback. So when I when I sing a love song, for example, you know, and then I uh, and the thing that the things that you can see from stage is mind blowing. The things that you can hear and see. So I'll I'll start the piano intro to a certain song, and I'll see a couple look at each other, for example, and they look at each other and make a face, and I yeah, know that shout. that's their song. <laughs> I'll I'll know that that's the song that probably played at their wedding or the song huh. that 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 they it, they've made their song. Yeah. So you get all these little things and it's just an incredible feeling as a performer or you'll see people tear up or you'll just see people dance and it's such a great feeling. But on, on a more creative level, sitting in a studio, like I've got the studio in my house, 
made it. I, I don't know where the hours go. I can mm. be in there from mm. the minute I wake up till the middle of the night, and 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 so I do the right thing. Then I just love it. Yeah. It's 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 unreal. But um, yeah. Look, it's it, it's it's pretty it's pretty rewarding. It definitely is. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast and you love cricket, why don't you check out last week's episode with Damien Fleming and Bradley Hodge? You can listen to that and other episodes at lunchwithlee.com. And, and looking back at your career, mate, you had a fantastic career. Um, you played you played in a pretty tough time there with some opening batters, and you had a really good partnership with David Warner there. Yeah, you're 136 against South Africa. Is there, is there a highlight that comes to mind for you that you're most proud of? You had to choose uh, one. If I, this might shock you a little bit. Well, it might not actually, being the team player you were. I mean, people always say, oh, I must have been your Test 100 or your first Test match. Yeah. Test match cricket is unbelievable. It's the absolute pinnacle, the test that you can put yourself through. Probably my career highlight was winning a Sheffield Shield because yeah. it's the build-up of yeah. you know years of work, uh, you know, nine months of a season, including a pre-season with the same group of people building to a collective goal and having that shared experience. Test match cricket is unbelievable because you're in the limelight. Yep. It's exciting. But they're three-week bursts. You play three tests in three weeks, zip out of there these days. And so there wasn't that same. I mean, winning a test match was mind-blowing. And we had a great time. We had Ponting, Hussey, Clark, uh, yeah. Yeah, you name it. Yeah. So we won more than we lost, which helped. <laughs> and so we'd enjoy having that pressure of the nation watching you play cricket. Sure. but. You know, my you first did. test match in Melbourne, sure, career highlight, probably the, the best yeah. Boxing moment, test, the, the, the best moment of my, yeah. uh, of my life, no doubt. But in terms of like that collective team moment, I'd say winning a did Sheffield Shield. We bat first in your first test, yeah, the Boxing Day test. So you're oh. walking out on, on the MCG and you hear the roar of eighty five thousand people. Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean the, the the odd thing is, and you don't do it in Shield cricket, is you sing the national anthem and there are ninety thousand yeah. people there and you've got yeah. your pads on, so you know you're batting and like these. You're crying yeah. while all these people say, and then you're going to go bat. Yeah, and right. so you kind of like you go from national anthem to batting. I was like, whoa! I need to really cool the emotional uh, roller coaster I'm on and get my head on and trigger. And Zahir Khan bowled this perfect outswinger, and I chose not to play it. I think maybe because I was like, oh my, you know, I was so frazzled. I'd kind of yeah. if I if I played at it, I would I would have nicked it. But I, <laughs> uh, and then you know, and you, you would have had that same experience with a big crowd guy and, and Shana or at last man stands it's like that white noise very though, different because, vibe very yeah, different 90,000 people <laughs> becomes, <Park. laughs> becomes like this this backdrop to a stage you know you don't mm. you don't see anyone it's that roar and that noise but it becomes white noise after a while if you're there for four or five hours concentrating yeah. it's just like a, a yeah, blur I remember standing it was at the it was a one day at the Gabba and we're playing England and we did the national anthem and I was standing next to Brett I remember he sort of looked at he looked at me and and I said, "Don't look at me like that." Was this seeing yeah. your brother there? That was that, yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. would be like, amazing. I've got a bullied. Yeah, yeah that's that right. Yeah. That's the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so who were your musical influences growing up? Um, look, it sort of varied at different stages of my yep. life. Six when, and out. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, look, when, when I was really young, the thing that got me hooked into music was soul music. So, so I'd first heard. Sam Cooke and Otis Redding. Yeah. And the first song I ever learnt was The Platters. It wasn't something like The Wiggles or anything like that. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was The Platters. And, and my, my, my dad had these great records. And, and I think the first song I ever learnt was that Only You Can Make Others Well Seem Bright, Beautiful. which is an odd song as a kid to, to learn. But, um, but then through my teens, I, 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 I kind of 
lent towards a lot of kind of softer um, Seattle sort of rock. Yep. You know, like I loved Nirvana. I, lo- I loved Guns N' Roses. Um, yeah, obsessed with Pearl Jam and um, Soundgarden. And, and I played drums through my early teens. And so I was quite obsessed with those sort of bands. And, and to be honest, as a singer, I think it taught me a lot. Like, like it... F- taught me from being a nasally like little R&B singer ah, to actually right. throwing my voice and having power um, and then I got obsessed with the Beatles and I mean it's kind of it's, it's yeah. always always changing um, I asked every guest on the show the same question and I asked you first Ed what, what advice would you give to a young cricketer right now Wow. That would be one piece of advice uh, I'll start with the framework though there's so much opportunity now that, and people sort of put these sportsmen on a pedestal and they want to be famous. Mm. They want to play in the IPL and earn lots of money. And it's like, uh, you play the game to love the game. Fall in love with the game. And if you love the game, you'll end up finding a way of being really good at the game. And who knows what journey you'll go on from there. But uh, I'm always wary about young kids because they idolize their sports stars or pop stars that they want to be like them. It's like, uh uh-uh. Love the game yeah. and find a way to really absorb yourself in being a great teammate. Find a way of learning the skills and, and what skills they can then transfer into other aspects of your life and, and the rest will take care of itself. And Guy, what advice would you give to a young musician? Well, it's funny because uh, I guess it's the same advice, you know, just in yeah. a different context. Um, in my industry, it's the same. You see so many um, young, aspiring musicians who... who um, once they, and I guess my example is I was on a show, but my only motive was to be the best artist I could be, the best musician I could be, the best singer I could be, be, the best famous. producer. It wasn't about yeah. being at a red car. I mean, how yeah. much stuff do you see me at? I'm never at anything. Yeah. Like, I didn't get into this to, to walk down red carpets and be papped. Like, I, I, I want my craft to be mm. as good as it can be because. You know, like like Ed and uh, I mean, Smithy's a mate of mine, and, yeah. and and he's he's a keen singer as well. He, he's he's been trying to um, you, you learn how to sing and play guitar and stuff like that. But I, I you watch someone like Smithy, and I I even went down a couple of times to Southo and and watched him play with Timbo, and um, it, he's not in it for that. No, and you no. watch someone like Steve Smith, he is just a master at. Yeah, he'll hit a thousand balls. Then. That's the word. What in, what inspired me was mastery, mm. and I didn't realize that probably till halfway through my career. I wanted to be the best I could be, but after I was the best, it's like not the best, the best I could be. I was like, okay, can I can I actually master this craft deeply and just search for those one percent, two percent gains? Mm. And yeah. that was the next ten years that. You can never be the best. That's it. That's you, exactly, can, that's you right. can never be the best version that, of yourself. That's, that's exactly right. Funny, a good mate of mine's um, mates with Steve Smith's mother-in-law, and she's pretty keen for him to have some grandkids. And, <laughs> and she was staying next. Steve got the mother-in-law over to the to, to watch a game, and um, she was in the hotel room next door and heard some a bit of banging going on next door. And thought, oh, finally, yeah, this grandkids. Is, this is G-rated. Finally, grandkids. No, no, but he, he was actually hit three He was actually hit great balls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Danny was nowhere to be seen. He's one that would take his... The, the people that sit on the bus with their cricket bat from the ground, so you train yeah, at the yeah. ground, and then people with their bats, mm. they, they go home to shadow bat. You know, like, yeah, so you yeah, bat exactly. for four hours, and you go sit in your hotel room for three hours in front of the mirror and practice yeah. your batting. You're like, there's an obsession like, there. Yeah. But it, it's a real big change. Sport got too um, over-engineered, I think, mm. for, for, for a big part of like the last 10 years where... Um, that they were practicing the wrong things 
And golfers have to hit thousands and thousands of balls every day. Mm. And cricketers weren't, weren't doing that. They were doing too much fitness or too many weights. Yeah. Like, there wasn't enough craft. emphasis on the craft and the skills. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And until you got that, you know, you, you got nothing. Yeah. That's but right, it's, but you, you watch it when, and it's a, to me it's heartbreaking to see because, I, you know, you might see people who, who get a little bit, bit of success and suddenly their desire to master their craft goes. And, and you yeah. know, I look, at, I, I look at young Ben, one of my, my son's friends. Mate, when he wakes up, he puts on pads. He's, he's an absolute freak sportsman, whether he's playing soccer or he's a gun cricketer. But he, but he, it, it, I, when Smithy came around, I, I rang his mum and I said, oh, look, that, you know, You've got to come over. Just come over. There's someone at the house, and, and he's he's lovely. And Ben will absolutely lose his, you know. So, but but I look I look at Ben and look at that passion that he's got, and he will hit a thousand balls. But then, so often in in my industry, you see people get that break, or they might win a TV show, or mm-hmm. they might win a, you know, so some they might get a record deal. This is what I see all the time, and suddenly they stop nerding out over the things yeah. that matter. They, yeah. stop, they, they stop mastering their craft and they start thinking that they've got to fill these other shoes or yeah. whether it be get, getting their profile up or whatever. And I'll, I guess that's the, the advice is just the thing that gets you real success and longevity is being bloody good at what you do. Yeah, and enjoying it. Well, yeah. um, six now, we're actually reforming tomorrow night, boys, <laughs> hey, for the really? McGrath Foundation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, and I, that's and a good course. And I'm, I'm going to a... take on board some of your advice, um, Guy, mm. about so <laughs> before we play our uh, great hit, Can't Bowl, Can't Throw, they went to 99 with a bullet. <laughs> um, I'm going to look out at the crowd and see, hopefully, a couple look at each other and go, exactly. not this shit song again. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, I really want to thank you both for coming on the show. It's um, it. it's great to catch up, uh, guy. I can't wait to hear the new album, mate. Truth, um, and Ed. It's just great to see you, mate. I haven't seen you for uh, way I, too long. And I must remember my my daughters, Zara and Abby, said say hi to guy for me. So oh, say good day, yeah, please. Yeah, yes, so they're very excited. And tell them to delete that little video of you clean bowling me. That's <laughs> how funny. Well, I might put that up on our socials actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thanks for coming on the show, boys. I really appreciate Pleasure. it. Oh, and uh, boys, we're going to go for a drink after this at the Taylor's Rooftop Bar up here at the Republic. So Love beautiful. Too. It's all happening. What are we going to have up there? I know, Brian Beer, mate. Mate, there these are good. Excellent. They're good. I'm having the pale Gluten free, yeah. Fantastic. Gluten free, that helps me. I've Mate, I've got everything wrong with my gut, so. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, boys. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks. That's it for lunch really this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Guy Sebastian and Ed Cowan. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes. And thanks to Dave Sutton for helping out today. And thanks to our sponsors, the Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. And a massive thank you goes out to Republic Hotel in Pitt Street, Sydney. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or where you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. Come check us out on our socials. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be taking some more complete legends about sport, music and business on another Cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. Someone-